Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. Enjoy. But a quick recap of what Paul was saying. He started off Colossians chapter 3 and he's speaking about uh, in our lives, there's moments in time where we've encountered Christ and now we've become dead to our old life. Now I look across this room, I am grateful that some of us in this room have become dead to our old life. There were some rat bags in this room before Christ. I know it. I can see Murray Townsend nodding his head over there. Andrew Springer nodding their heads right there. There's no doubt. I am grateful that these two big, scary, ugly men have been dead to their old man and alive to Christ. So Paul's speaking about the reality of what happens when we encounter Jesus. That old man dies. Christ comes alive on the inside of us. And he goes on, he says, now put off some things. Put off, take off these areas of life. And last week I started speaking out of verse 12. And in verse 12, he starts to say, now put on some stuff, put on some things. And let me just here for a moment highlight something here. He says, we are dead to our old man and become alive to Christ. Listen, that is a work that God does in us. There's nothing you can do in yourself to become dead to your old man and bring life Uh, spirit on the inside of us it is a work that happens because the gospel tells us because of what Jesus Christ did for me and did for you we are dead to sin because on the cross Jesus bore our sin upon himself and our sin died and hung on that cross with Jesus and we come alive because Christ rose and conquered sin and death listen that is his work his work is that death in us but then he says now put off and put on This is our work. This is where we meet because of the fact that we're dead to sin because of the cross. Now we can put off and put on. You know, sometimes putting off is hard work. I've got to be honest. Sometimes putting off lifestyle and putting on new lifestyle is a little difficult. A year ago, I I hurt my back. Uh, It was official at that moment that I became old. It was that moment in time where you realize... I'm not 21 anymore. I think I am in my brain. But my Bible says, Tim, and my Bible, my, my body, sorry, not my Bible. My body says I'm renewed every day in Christ. But my body says, you're 46. And what you used to do at 21 really easy now is hard to do because you're 46. And what you used to do at 21 and not hurt yourself now, every now and then you're going to hurt yourself. I hurt my back and it was so bad. Listen, for a week, it was so bad that in the morning, when I like, tried to get out of bed, I had to get Pastor Wendy to help me out of bed. Getting dressed in the morning felt like I was two again because I couldn't actually put on my own socks. And so I'd be like, Pastor Wendy, can you help me put on my socks? And so she put my socks on. And then i like, can you pick me some clothes out? Because walking to the cupboard right now is difficult. Pick me some clothes out and help me put on my pants because I couldn't even bend down to put my pants on. It was very embarrassing for myself Taking my clothes off in the afternoon was a matter of sitting on the bed and waiting for my wife to do that because I was in so much pain. And it was so difficult to take off and to put on. You know what, I was a big boy so I could put my own shirt on. You know, it was a big deal, big deal. It was hard to take off and put on. And listen, Paul writes now to a church that has become dead because of the cross, become alive now in Christ, But he speaks to them about putting some stuff off. We spent a few weeks talking about 
putting off that old man, putting off those attitudes, putting off that language, putting off the way you walk. But now we get to verse 12 and he starts to speak about putting on some things and he runs through to verse 14 and we're going to spend some time there this morning. Verse 12, therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint, Against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Put on. You know, this morning I want to spend some time talking about what he wants us to put on here in these scriptures. Again, putting off some old stuff is important. But listen, if you don't put something back on, the first thing you do is just barely survive. Listen, the Bible tells us that God wants us to have life and life more abundant. He doesn't say God wants us to put off the old life and just barely survive our way through life. The, the biggest challenge I see in the western suburbs of Brisbane is people barely surviving. They're trying to put off old habits, but they don't know how to come and thrive in the life that God has for them. Listen, Paul doesn't say now, put off all of these things and scrape your way into heaven. He says, put off these things, now put on some new stuff and become all that God has created you to be. I speak to you as a church today and I want to be really clear. Starting a new year, God wants us to put off some old stuff from last year, but walking into a new year, putting on new things about who God wants us to be. Paul says right here, put off these things, now come and put on some new stuff. Put on some new way of thinking. You know, in 2011, there were three different studies looking at people trying to change habits, trying to remove habits for their life. This is just a little throw-in side note to help you in your thinking today. They went through a whole range of different ways of looking at what's the best way to change your habits. Maybe you've come to a new year and you want to change some habits. What's some of the best ways to do it? They found the key for everybody that changed their habits wasn't just stopping the old habits, but was replacing it with something new. Getting rid of the old habit was being replaced with a new habit. If you are a person that craves sweets, they found the way to get rid of a craving of sweets is every time you crave that delicious chocolate. Every time you crave that Turkish delight. Can I have an amen from somebody in the house? Why was all old people amen to just there? Turkish delights and old people food, I see. If you crave those things, he says right there, eat fruit as soon as you feel that craving. If you're stressing and you chew your nails, they say instead of chewing your nails, every time you're stressed, write down the stressful feelings and what you're thinking about. They said if you are a person that is like this every second of the day on your social media and you can't break that habit of social media, even trying to pretend you're taking notes while I'm preaching in church. If that's you in the house right now, I'm talking to you and you're pretending that, but you're on Facebook or you're on Instagram or you're watching TikTok with phone things in your ears. Listen, if you're trying to break that habit, read a book or listen to the pastor while he's preaching to help you break those habits of socials. Listen, if you're a smoker in the house, chew gum instead of smoking cigarettes. Or my pop, who quit smoking, he smoked from 16 to 76, 
and then left half a packet of Marlboro Reds sitting on the cupboard, never smoked again, and he ate little jube lollies all of the time. He went from like 70 kilos to 250, but no, that's not true. That's not true. That's actually didn't put on any weight. He was blessed with a great metabolism. Change your habits. One of the greatest ways is to replace them. Paul's saying right here, take off some stuff. But listen, don't just leave stuff off. What are you putting back on yourself? What are you putting back on your life? Verse 12, therefore, as the elect of God, that's you in this room, who is holy, that's you in this room, who is set apart, who is beloved by your God, put on tender mercies and put on kindness. Put on tender mercies, put on kindness. These two intertwine so powerfully. Let me explain for a moment. That tender mercies is a word that means the deep feelings when we see the difficulties of others. It's not just about being soft and merciful. It's about the ability to look and see people and see the difficulties they go through and see the challenges. Have you noticed that in a world like the world we live in today, sometimes we can just go through seeing so many challenges, so many difficulties, we've become blasé to people's challenges. You notice that? We're bombarded by the news. We're bombarded by social media. We're bombarded by the difficult situations all around us. And we become cold to that. We become resistant to it. And we no longer see the difficulties, the people right beside us. He says, put on tender mercies, which is to put on the ability to look past all the busyness of life, look past my own issues, look past my own challenges and actually see the challenge of the person that lives right next door. See them in pain. See them hurting. See them in difficulty. See them in challenge. He says, put on this ability to see someone else's difficulty. Can I tell you, if you had a difficult 2022 and your eyes are stuck on your own difficulty, put on tender mercy so you can look past yourself and see someone else's challenge around you. Paul says, put on tender mercy and put on kindness. This word kindness, again, we think is about doing kind things but it actually is intertwined with tender mercies because it's about not just seeing someone's difficulty, but now stepping out of your own comfort zone and actually helping them in their place of difficulty. Can you see what Paul's saying here? He's saying you've got to put off your own selfish living, your own challenged living, your own broken living, so that now you can put on the ability to look past yourself and see someone else around you, in the world around you, your neighbor, your workmate. that may be challenging, but there's something deeper going on inside their life when you look past yourself and past them and actually put on tender mercies and the ability to actually get in someone else's shoes and know they are walking through difficult moments and there's something that you can do to help. Can you imagine what an hour in the western suburbs of, look, uh, of Brisbane would look like if we all put on tender mercies and kindness, that we could look past ourselves, even look past people to see the challenge that they're in, see the difficulty that they're facing, see, see the situation that's actually going on in their world right now. You know, often we drive past someone and we, we see them on the side of the road and we cast a judgment upon their lives. But if we put on tender mercies, if we put on kindness, the casting of judgment gets taken off and we start to see a situation that someone needs help, and we could possibly help them. Something changes. Something shifts in our thinking, shifts in our believing. When we combine these two together, we get what's known as compassion. Compassion. 
when you look at the life of Jesus and, and understand everything that Paul's telling us to put on is Christ's likeness and is becoming like Christ, when we look at the, li- the life of Jesus, in Matthew chapter 9, it says when Jesus saw the multitudes, what, what moved him? He was moved with compassion. He saw the multitudes. He saw the people. He didn't get stuck in the multitudes. He saw the people and he was moved with compassion. We go through in the Gospels and there is many times that Jesus is moved with compassion. And listen, when he was moved, he did something. He said when he was moved with compassion, he laid hands on the sick and they were all healed. When he was moved with compassion, he turned to his disciples. He said, get them something to eat and fed 5,000 people. He was moved with compassion. Paul says, put on this tender mercies, put on this kindness. He says, put on compassion in your life. See, feel, do. See, feel, do. Be moved. Be moved past yourself. Be moved in the lives of others so we become compassionate. Joseph Wertling said this, because Jesus Christ suffered greatly, he understood our suffering. He understands our grief. We experience hard things so that we too may have increased compassion and understanding for others. Here's the greatest challenge. In our challenges, we get so caught up in ourself and our situation and saying, this is about me, and we miss the reality, the lesson that God's showing us about others that are going through a challenge. Listen, if you're in this room, and I know many of you have come through challenge to get here today, let compassion wash over your life. Say, God, Fill me with tender mercy. Fill me with kindness that I can look past my own issues and I can see that some other people have some issues and challenges right now and I can help them. Paul says further, he says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy beloved, put on tender mercies, put on kindness, and put on humility. You know, humility is a powerful attribute. And one of the reasons why humility is so powerful is without humility, it's actually impossible to put on or take off anything. Humility is the ability to stop humbly and say, listen, I need to change. We've got a, a 21st century type of living now that people say, this is just me, you've got to deal with it. This is just who I am. This is just how I am. Listen, you're an idiot, so change. Not, this is who I am, I'm going to stay an idiot. If you're an idiot... If you're rude, if you're arrogant, if you're painful, please change. We love you, but let the Holy Spirit come and bring humility to your life enough to say, yes, I'm an idiot, and it's not just me. I've got to shift and I've got to change. Listen, I look at my life continually saying, God, what do you need to do inside of me? How do you need to change me? How do you need to shift me? How do you need to shift my thinking? How do you need to shift my believing? There is a power in humility. Paul writes to this church of people that have just like us gone through life's challenges, gone through issues, and he speaks to them about shifting and putting on some stuff. And in the middle of it, he says, it's got to be done humbly. It's got to be done with a realization that I'm not all that, that I'm not perfect. If you walk in this room and you think you're perfect, then listen, put on some humility. Because none of us, other than possibly Pastor Wendy, are perfect. Quite possibly. But highly unlikely. All of us need to shift and change. All of us need a place of putting some stuff off and come back and say, God, let humility be around me so that I can change, so that I can shift. 
you know what, last year I, I didn't want to change. Last year I thought I had it all together. Last year I thought it was perfect. Last year I thought I was all good. But there's a shifting coming in our lives that God can bring us to the fullness of who He's created us to be. St. Augustine said this, It was pride that changed the angels into devils, and it's humility that changes men into angels. What a thought. It's humility that stops and says, I need to shift. My thinking needs to shift. My believing needs to shift. My attitudes need to shift. My actions need to shift. I need to change. It's humility that stops and says, I need to shift. Listen, I look around this room. There's a lot of us in this room that are stubborn. There's a lot of us in this room that are strong. And that's a good thing. Listen, it is a good thing. But don't let your stubbornness and your strength stop you from shifting into who God wants you to be. It's humility that washes that strength. It's humility that washes over that stubbornness. It brings us to a place where we stop and say, God, I need to change. God, I need to put off some things so that I can again then come and put on some things in my life and become all that you've created me to be. Verse 12 again. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, put on kindness, put on humility. Listen, he says here, put on meekness. Meekness. I've got to stop here for a second because meekness is one of those misunderstood uh, words from the Bible. We, we understand meekness sometimes, we think of weakness. I was a kid and my grandmother taught me this prayer when I was, as a child. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look upon this little child. Anyone pray that prayer as a kid? All the old people again put up their hands in the house. Dang. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. We have this picture of this little baby Jesus, picture of 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 what it is. Listen, this word meekness is a word that's also interpreted gentleness. But if you have a look at the, the, the root meaning of this word, it means to have a gentle strength or a power that is reserved with gentleness. Again, Paul's giving us these pictures of Christ's likeness. Let's have a look at Jesus. Jesus is there. He, he's a, about to be hung on the cross. He's been arrested the, the, the Pharisees are all around and people are punching him and hitting him. They're spitting on him. They're saying, you know, as they hit him, they're saying, you know, see if you can pick who it was that hit you. See if you can prophesy to us about that stuff. They're, they're, they're throwing false lies and accusations at him. And the Pharisees say to him, will you say nothing? Will you not even answer a thing? Now, I want you to remember that every other time the Pharisees have spoken, Jesus completely shut them down and made them look foolish. Every other time. But here in this moment, Jesus is there as they're beating him, whipping him. Will you say nothing? The Bible says, and he kept his mouth closed. And he kept his mouth closed. I want to remind you that a few weeks earlier in that same temple, he walked into that place. And when he walked into that place, they were selling stuff. And he was filled with holy, righteous anger. And he took the tables and he turned them over and he said, how would you make my father's house a den of thieves? This same gentle guy had a strength. If we go into the book of Revelations, they, they say, who, who would be one that could open the seal? Is there no one that can open the seal? And he says, behold, the Lamb of God, who was worthy. And listen to what he says. That same Lamb of God, 
who is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the lamb that was the sacrifice for me. But he was the lion that roars. He was the one that spoke. He was the one that stood righteously for my life. That is the lion of the tribe. But he's also gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Listen, this is the, the dichotomy of this statement right here. He says, put on meekness, not weakness. Christians don't walk around weak. Christians walk around sometimes with their mouths closed. There's no doubt about it. But we have a strength. And it was strength that allowed him in a beating, a strength that allowed him in a whipping, a strength that allowed him when people were spitting on him to keep quiet. Listen, you may be in your workplace copping a bit of spit, copping a few slaps, copping a bit of beatings, and it's the strength that comes from God just to keep the mouth quiet through some of those moments. Meekness isn't weakness. Isaiah's prophecy of him was that he would open not his mouth. He was the lamb being led to the, the slaughter. This is the power that of Jesus and the revelation in him is the great revelation of what this means to our life. The lion and the lamb, they're both within our Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul understands this. In Timothy, he writes to this young man. In chapter 6, verse 11, he says, But you, O man of God, flee those things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. But he doesn't finish there. He says, pursue gentleness. What are the next words? Fight the good fight of faith. With some gentleness in your life, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life to which you were called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He says, now put on gentleness, put on meekness, put on this aspect of your world and fight the good fight of faith. City Point West, let's be meek, let's be gentle, whilst we fight the good fight of faith. Let's be meek, let's be gentle as we take the gospel to this region. Let's be meek, let's be gentle as we take a hold of all that God has for us as a church. I love Paul's revelation for our lives. Put on meekness. Listen, if you're in this room and you think that means weakness, it's time to shift your mind to the understanding of the greatness of what God has created you and I to be. Men and women of God, men and women of courage, men and women that not just survive and through this journey of life, they're putting on new things. Verse 12 again, put on meekness, put on long-suffering. Verse 13, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. Listen, let me just teach you for a brief moment. These, these verses that we that we allude to verse 12 verse 13 Paul didn't write with a verse 12 and a 13 in there when Paul wrote it it was a letter a complete letter that went to a church we so that we can stop and say listen go to this passage we break it down into these verses and these scriptures and often in our thinking because there's different verses we think there's different thought going on if you go into the book of Romans you start from chapter one you go all the way to the end it's one thought flowing about our lives and how they're outworked in Christ. It's one complete conversation. Very hard to stop and just look at a small passage out of Romans because it's so long and so complete. Here in Colossians, we, we separate two verses, but there's a flowing thought. He says, put on to our lives long-suffering. And the thought flows across three things, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. There are three thoughts here together that flow and entwine 
really importantly together and don't see this gap of verse 12 and verse 13 as a, as a stopping of this thought. These three things intertwine together. Long-suffering. I think Pastor Wendy and I, uh, we've been married 25 years. Pastor Wendy is long-suffering with me for 25 years of marriage. Not the same for me. She's perfect, again, as I said. The only one in the room, possibly. But she's had to suffer long with me, 25 years of long-suffering. You know, he doesn't say, hey, just suffer with people. He says, suffer long with people. Now, I know some of us have got friends that feel like long-suffering. Some of us have got siblings that feel like long-suffering. Some of us have got somebody sitting beside them in church this morning that feels like long-suffering. Please don't nudge them at this moment in Jesus' name. He says, put on long-suffering. You know, 21st century living doesn't understand long-suffering. Someone has a trouble in their marriage, I'm out. I'm gone. Someone has a trouble in a, in a, in a friendship, Psst, I'm not talking that idiot anymore. And you're the idiot that probably shouldn't be talked to in the first place. But anyway, let's keep on going. I'm out. We'll skip out. Get involved in church. Someone offended me. Yes, there are broken people in this church. I want to be really, and I'm not going to point you out. There are some broken people in this church, starting with a guy holding the microphone right now. And people offend people. Broken people do that. We do that. I wish we're all perfected in Christ, but it's not until we walk into glory that that's going to happen. So here in the church, you'll probably get offended a little bit, and you might need to suffer people long. You might need to care for people a long time because God doesn't want us just being out. He says, listen, be planted in the house of the Lord, except for when that idiot annoyed you. No, no. He says, be planted in the house of God. Be planted in that place and suffer long with some folks. And then he goes on further from suffering long, bearing with them. You know, bearing with them has no positive connotations. There isn't any. There isn't any. Suffering long hasn't got a lot of positive conversations. It's like I'm suffering long and I'm bearing with some of you. I know it feels like that with some friendships. I know it feels like that sometimes with people around the house of God. I, I see some of you when someone walks in the front door, you're like, oh, I've got to go to the bathroom. Or if it just hit me, I'm out. I know that meet and greet sometimes. I see it happening. I've never seen so many people except for grade seven need to go to the toilet except for that meet and greet moment right there. All of you people that have to suffer along and bear with some people and hope that bloke doesn't come and speak with me. Listen, when he says here, he's talking about a church. He's speaking to the Colossians church, a whole meld of people coming together, finding Christ from broken living, broken life. And he comes, now put this onto your lives in who you become and who you are. He says, holy, beloved, you guys that are set apart together, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, caring for people for a long time, bearing with one another, carrying others, and forgiving one another. And forgiving one another. And forgiving one another. You know, listen, if you don't forgive, long-suffering and bearing with is impossible. Because all you carry is deep resentment and hatred towards other people. Listen, people will hurt you in church. I'm sorry. 
I wish we were all good with that, but it's not the case. People will. Someone's going to offend you. Someone's going to let you down. They're trying their best. They're not trying to hurt you, but they probably will somewhere in this thing. Someone will probably let you down. So in amongst that, he says, we learn how to suffer along. We learn how to bear with others. And in the middle of it, we learn how to forgive. And, and I want you to note this. He says, learn how to forgive as you did, as Pastor Tim did, as Pastor David did. Well, that's closer. No, he says, as Christ forgave. In, in case you forget your Bible, let me tell you what Jesus said when he was hanging upon the cross. Jesus was hanging on the cross after somebody just put some nail through either hand and through his feet, give him a whipping, spat on him, pulled his beard out, put a crown of thorn on his head. You know what he said? Smite them, old. No, he didn't say that. That's what we would have said, right? Smite them, almighty smiter. Give them all a crown of thorns. See how they like it. That's not what he did. What do you say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Let, let, me, let me get you in on a, on, a, on a real truth. People may hurt you in church, in life, and not even know that it hurt you. Have no idea. Now you're thinking, how can they not know? They're like whack into his hands. They've probably got a reasonable idea. Reasonable idea that they're hurting him. They, they whipped him. Like, so many times, they've probably got a reasonable idea they're hurting him. But he says, Father, forgive them, for they actually don't know what they're doing right now. Have you noticed how some people can put a nail through your hand and have no idea they've done it? No idea. Uh, when I was a youth pastor, I was a bit of a crazy youth pastor, I'll be honest. Uh, you know, if we were playing soccer, when I was, when I was younger, when we were playing soccer, I was never really good at soccer. I was good at being physical and knocking people over. So I was more like rugby soccer when I played soccer. We went to a youth camp one time and uh, we're playing soccer at this youth camp. It was more, it was, you may, the only thing that wasn't football is you weren't allowed to pick it up with your hands is the basic gist of it. We're playing soccer. I scored a lot of goals because I was good at knocking people down and scoring goals. You know, two years after, I went to another youth camp and this youth camp was like a combined youth camp across Queensland. I went to another one two years after and, and a youth pastor from another church come and spoke to me. He said, oh, Tim, can I just have a few minutes of your time? I'm like, yeah, man, no, no problem. What, what's going on? He's like, two years ago, we were playing soccer at this youth camp. I actually remembered it because it was actually a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I thought it was so much fun. And he said, you knocked me over like five times. One time you really hurt me. And he said, you didn't just hurt me physically, you hurt me deeply, and I've been angry at you for two years. And over those two years, I've thought about you so many times, and I was so angry, and we're just in this meeting, and God just spoke to me and told me I need to come and forgive you. You know, that was incredible. I had no idea. I don't even remember knocking him over. I knocked 100 people over in that game. He wasn't special. It's part of the game. I had no idea that I hurt him. And to think that for two years he was angry at me. For two years. I put nails in his hands. I whipped that guy. I had no idea. Absolutely no idea. And we sat there at the moment. It was beautiful. I'm like, mate, I am really sorry. I'm sorry I offended you. I'm sorry I hurt you. I'm sorry I beat you in that game. No, I didn't say that. I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry I upset you, man. I really am sorry. I really am. Like, genuinely. And we prayed together, and it was a great moment for him. And he was able to walk on, and I've seen him many times since. And it was an awesome moment of just being able to stop and do that. But listen, I had no idea that I'd even caused him a place of grief that he would even have to come and forgive me. That he obviously bore along with me. He obviously long suffered with me. And so often in life, people are like this. And here's the big challenge. People have hung us on the cross and they've hurt us. And when we carry that, we carry it because it's about us. You know, most people that hurt you, it's got nothing to do with you. Most people that hurt you are actually hurting themselves and are hurt and already deeply broken. And it has nothing to do with you. You take it and make it about you. And you carry that onto you. And it becomes a big deal in our lives. And here at this moment, I, I want to just speak to you about the reality of, of what happens right here and what Jesus is trying to show us and what Paul is trying to reveal to us. Real, reveal to who we are is, listen, you need to come to a place where you care for people a long time. You need to come to a place where you're going to even bear with them sometimes. But the only way to do that is genuinely forgive and let go of the challenges that you've been carrying. And in amongst it, remember, some of their challenges they put on you isn't about you. It was about them and about the ugliness of what they were walking through and their own hurt and their own brokenness and their own situation and what's going on right now in their life. Dave Willis said this, holding a grudge doesn't make you strong, it makes you bitter. Forgiving doesn't make you weak, it sets you free. Isn't that true? So true. Another great quote. It takes a strong person to say sorry and even a stronger person to forgive. Have we got that, vi- that picture? Can we put that picture up? I sent this to my wife, my female staff, and my daughters during the week. Uh, what happened to him? I told him he was right and that was my fault and he fainted. <laughs> that was very apt for all the husbands and the men in the house. I text them saying, listen, sometimes I am right. And it's okay. You can take that away so everyone comes back to the Word of God. (laughs) What's Paul saying? He's building to something. He's saying, see needs, meet needs, be humble, be gently strong, care long time. Even when it's tough, bear with people. He says, forgive when it gets messy. But he goes on and he says a very, very powerful statement. In verse 4, in chapter 4, verse 4, sorry, he says, but above all these things, put on love which is the bond of perfection listen he's gone through all of this and he says above all of this put on love let let me wrap up this whole thought just this morning with this picture without love you can't forgive without love you can't bear with someone without love long suffering is impossible love is the core to all of this and let me turn it on its head the other way. If you do all of these things religiously and don't let love wash them all as the thing that ties it all together, you can be religious people walking around feeling like you're perfect and got it all together without the reality that it's God's love in our lives that perfects all of this in us. I've seen plenty of religious people that are pious and doing all the right stuff, but they're ugly because love doesn't permeate at all. They're doing the right stuff. They're saying the right things. They're they're carrying their Bibles, being spiritual, doing all this lovely stuff. 
But love hasn't permeated at all. And so Paul comes and wraps up this bit of thinking here and says, we're going to come and permeate every bit of this with love. And listen, this is not the world's love. This is the agape kind of love. This is charity love. This is preferring others' love. This is a reality that loving isn't about me. Forgiving someone is easy because it's not about me. Bearing with someone's easy because it's not about me. Seeing someone's needs easy, it's not about me. Meeting someone's needs, it's easy, it's not about me because love washes all of this. It's love. Being humble is easy because my life's not just about me. Being meek and a gentle strength in my life is easy because my life's not just about me because love permeates every single bit of it. And Paul wraps this thought up by saying, this is the bond of perfection in your life. If me and you as believers carry love with us all the time, agape love, God kind of love, it is powerful and it's life transforming into who we are. And why can we even do any of these things? Because Jesus was love. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was about love. Jesus coming to us was about love. It's Jesus, it's love. Because the Bible tells us he is love. When we put on this stuff, we're putting on Christ's likeness, we're putting on Jesus. Love is going to wrap it all up. Because that's the heart of Jesus. That's his heart for Anala. That's his heart for the Western Suburbs of Brisbane. That's his heart for your family. That's his heart for my family. That's his heart for your community, my community, our community together. This is wrapped up and perfected and bound together as we put all this stuff on our life by love, by agape, by understanding of preference to other people and loving others. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. We'll wrap all of this up this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we sung about your name. We sung about who you are. Great, loving Father God. Jesus, we thank you for your love that binds it all together in our lives. God, as we put off old actions, old walk, put on you as found in Christ. We put on these things. We clothe ourselves in them to become like who you've created us to be. Not just getting through life, but becoming all that you shaped us, all that you molded us all that you built us, all you designed us to be. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for shaping us every single day and teaching us what our part of putting on in our lives is. But Jesus, every bit of it's possible because of the cross. Every bit of it's possible because of what Jesus did for us. And I thank you this morning. I thank you for Jesus' great grace. I thank you for his forgiveness. I thank you for what he works over our lives. I thank you for then what he does on the inside of us. All possible because we become alive in Christ. The gospel tells us the cross is enough for every one of us. We thank you, Jesus. Just before we close. I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day. So for more information about City Point West, jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts, Instagram, City Point West, or our Facebook, City Point Church West. 
Have a great day.